Welcome to Small Biz Brainiac, providing employer intelligence that helps you navigate the regulatory landscape and keep you on course running the business you love. Here's your host, Thomas Rock Lindsay. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 52, Equal Pay for Women. My name is Thomas Rock Lindsay and I'm your small business buddy, instructor, and servant, and I'm here to help you thrive in your role as an employer. This is where small business owners gain employer intelligence in around seven minutes every Tuesday and Thursday. The Republican National Committee conference speech by Ivanka Trump surprised a lot of people. The idea of equal pay for women and mothers and affordable childcare isn't something I remember hearing Trump talk about. Not that I pay much attention to the circus show known as the presidential race. You know, when the choice is between two clowns, you're going to end up with a clown. Maybe one clown is a bigger liar than the other. And while one should be in jail, the other should not be near the nuclear launch codes. At the end of the day, we'll have an embarrassing, incompetent, egomaniac in office. With all this talk about equal pay for women, you might think that there aren't any laws making pay discrimination on the basis of sex illegal, when in fact, it has been against the law since 1963, when Congress passed the Equal Pay Act. We'll investigate equal pay for women on today's episode of Small Biz Brainiac. Let's rock this. Do we really have an equal pay for women issue in the U.S. that requires fixing with more laws, or is this just another political sacred cow? In a Forbes article by Tim Warstall, he quotes an argument from a post by Mark Perry on Carpe Diem. Mr. Perry is a scholar at American Enterprise Institute and a professor of economics and finance at the University of Michigan's Flint campus. Perry says, quote, We have roughly 150 million people in our workforce about half of them female. And there are pervasive claims out there that women are paid 23% less than men. You'd think we're able to find a few matched pairs to demonstrate this factoid. As a matter of fact, if there were such ubiquitous gender wage disparities in violation of federal law, why are there not extensive investigations by the Department of Justice or the Office of Civil Rights? And why isn't there a cottage industry of law firms specializing in representing women who are victims of the supposed pervasive gender discrimination, the way there are hundreds of law firms representing mesothelioma victims who were exposed to asbestos on the job? Occam's razor should lead to the conclusion that there are no such investigations because there's no examples to make. Perversely, perhaps, maybe the false 77 cents on the dollar narrative is actually perpetuated by a total lack of any evidence that any employers actually pay women 23% less than men for the same job. After all, it's better to keep those mythical violations very vague, ambiguous, and undocumented as a way to keep the myth alive, like very rare sightings of Bigfoot, end quote. Now, Occam's razor is a problem-solving principle and a technique to guide scientists in the development of theoretical models. Okay, on the flip side, the American Association of University Women has a report that was published in the spring of 2016 saying the pay gap is real and that it also impacts mothers to a greater degree. It also provides statistics saying the gap is greater for minorities. They show the pay gap by state with the District of Columbia at 90%, the least amount of discrepancy, and Louisiana, with the greatest discrepancy, at 65%. And I've put a link to the report in the show notes. 
As I've already mentioned, the Equal Pay Act of 1963 already requires you to pay men and women the same for the same work in the same establishment. The jobs don't even have to be identical, just substantially equal. Job content determines whether jobs are substantially equal, not job titles. You can't pay unequal wages to women who perform jobs that require substantially equal skill, effort, and responsibility, and that are performed under similar working conditions within the same establishment. Furthermore, Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act outlawed discrimination against women and minorities in all aspects of employment, including hiring, promotion, and compensation. Additional protections came with the 1978 Pregnancy Discrimination Act and the 1991 amendments to Title VII, which boosted penalties for discrimination. In addition, for more than 40 years, two major federal agencies have been dedicated to fighting labor market discrimination, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission and the Office of Federal Contract Compliance. Pay differentials are permitted when they are based on seniority, merit, quantity or quality of production, or a factor other than sex. These are known as affirmative defenses, and it's the employer's burden to prove that they apply. In correcting a pay differential, no employee's pay can be reduced. Instead, the pay of the lower paid employees must be increased. Now, to supplement the Equal Pay Act of 1963, Congress passed the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act of 2009, which amended the act by overturning the Supreme Court's decision in Ledbetter versus Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company, Inc., which severely restricted the time period for filing complaints of employment discrimination concerning compensation. It basically made each paycheck a violation so the statute of limitations doesn't start running until the last paycheck instead of when you hired the employee and set the wage. But even that is not enough, according to our masters, and now they have proposed the Paycheck Fairness Act. This act would further amend the Equal Pay Act in the following ways. It changes the exceptions to equal pay by limiting a wage differential based only on education, training, and experience. It changes the bona fide factor defense, saying that it will only apply if the employer demonstrates that such factor, one, is not based upon or derived from a sex-based differential in compensation, or two, is job-related with respect to the position in question, and three, is consistent with business necessity. It would also make the defense inapplicable where the employee demonstrates that an alternative employment practice exists that would serve the same business purpose without producing such differential, and two, the employer refuse to adopt such alternative practice. Now, it also revises the prohibition against employer retaliation for employee complaints, and it makes employers who violate the law liable in civil action for either compensatory or punitive damages. It also allows class action suits to include individuals as party plaintiffs without their written consent. And finally, it authorizes the Secretary of Labor to seek additional compensatory or punitive damages. This will solve the problem for sure, right? Well, maybe the real answer is that we do have a gap, but it's not due to discrimination. According to Claudia Golden, a Henry Lee professor of economics at Harvard University, in her published research paper in the American Economic Review in 2014, which, by the way, is an excellent piece of work and I highly recommend you read it, she says that 
A better answer, I will demonstrate, can be found in an application of personal economics. The explanation will rely on labor market equilibrium with compensating differentials and endogenous job design. End quote. Now, endogenous means having an internal cause or origin. So, in essence, she's saying that the gap is a function of the marketplace and the jobs themselves, not sex discrimination. She says that government does not have to be the answer. Quote, the answer may come as a surprise. The solution does not necessarily have to involve government intervention, and it need not make men more responsible in the home, although it wouldn't hurt, but it must involve changes in the labor market, in particular how jobs are structured and remunerated to enhance temporal flexibility. The gender gap in pay would be considerably reduced and might vanish altogether if firms did not have an incentive or disproportionately reward individuals who labored long hours and worked particular hours. Such change has taken off in various sectors such as technology, science, and health, but is less apparent in the corporate, financial, and legal worlds." End quote. And June O'Neill, a Woolman Distinguished Professor of Economics at the Zicklin School of Business and a director of the Center for the Study of Business and Government, says that women in the workplace don't face rampant pay discrimination. She says the gender gap shrinks to between 8% and 0 when the study incorporates measures such as work experience, career breaks, and part-time work. I don't believe there is a problem of the scope that the activists and politicians would have us believe. After all, this is what they do. They invent issues, they divert attention, and they promote their own agenda. I'm sure there have been and are current instances of disparate pay based on sex discrimination, and no amount of legislation will extinguish 100% of it. It isn't the proper role of government to intervene in the voluntary exchange of labor, in my opinion. Well, there you have it. Let's recap. Is there an equal pay gap problem in the U.S. that needs to be addressed by more laws, stricter regulation, and greater enforcement, or is the gap due to non-discrimination circumstances? Pay discrimination on the basis of sex has been illegal since 1963 thanks to the Equal Pay Act and further supported by Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, the 1978 Pregnancy Discrimination Act, the 1991 amendments to Title VII, and the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act of 2009. And since this isn't enough to solve the problem in the eyes of the government, the Paycheck Fairness Act is being promoted. But according to many professors, the pay gap isn't caused by discrimination. So there's some food for thought, and that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Small Biz Brainiac. To get your questions answered by Thomas directly, visit smallbizbrainiac.com. And for more employer intelligence, be sure to join us again here on Small Biz Brainiac.